Secrets of the Sire. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Secrets of the Sire. Tonight, Birds of Prey flops, Joker scores Oscar gold, and the Irishman's Matt Walton joins us to talk about working with Scorsese and Pacino on the Netflix flick. I am your host, Michael Dolce, as always, joined by my co-host extraordinaire, Mr. Hassan Godwin, Lord of the live stream. How you doing, sir? It's Wednesday. Yes, I'm, it, it I'm, really I'm good is. for Wednesday. I'm, I'm good for... <laughs> It really is. It always really is Wednesday, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so. What do you mean by it really is? That's I know. a strange reaction. I know. <clears throat> well, I am an enigma wrapped in a riddle. Yes. Wrapped <laughs> in a strange. <laughs> Buried under a babbling brook. Strange um, reaction. So, <laughs> so I got to tell you, and, and we're going to review Birds of Prey a little later. We are. Yeah. We're going to, re- yeah. in our next segment, we, we, uh, we will take on Birds of Prey. We're also going to take on the controversy of uh, Birds of Prey because a lot of people are trying to justify why it uh, didn't do well. Um, Gary Conway, actually very famous, uh, who I love his writing, uh, tried to uh, blame it on, or, or his opinion, and it was a lighthearted opinion, not a hot take, but it turned out to be a hot take uh, mm. that I just happened to stumble upon across Twitter. Because they always so, are, because every time you say anything, it's a hot take. It's a hot take, right? Yeah. Uh, he was talking about maybe the male audience isn't mature enough for a movie like that. Uh, that's the way he framed it. And, and, and obviously that was something. But I know why Birds of Prey flopped. Mm, okay. And, and it, so is now, a, it is a now virus. Now it's going to be a hot take from you. It is a now virus I- that, has, um, that has leapfrogged from, from me to you. Now, you also have this uh, prediction oh. sure to go wrong. So I'm going to just play this. I, this, is, I this know. Is, Oh yeah. boy! Yeah, this oh. is this is from uh, last week's show. Uh, we had that Kevin Sharp on, and he was he was fantastic. Uh, here's our predictions. Yeah. So, all right, predictions sure to go wrong. Birds of Prey. Uh, Hassan said one billion dollar movie. I said it's going to be billion. seventy billion. Not yeah, that's billion. What <laughs> that's what I said. Billion. You, you, oh. you said million. No, I, <laughs> well, I that, now that's a hot take. That's it will be yeah, one million. Yeah, totally <laughs> one million will be the total. 70, 70 to eighty million opening weekend for myself. What's your prediction? Whoa. Sure to go wrong. All right. Now. Wow. All right. Well, so so basically, yeah. Warner Brothers should be looking for us. Right <laughs> now, should, you might sit there and say, send "People after us." You might sit there and say, "Well, look, it's a fluke, right? You guys just happen to do this." But I actually bring you evidence from the very second episode of Secrets of the Sire. Uh, this is me predicting uh, Deadpool's box office. So, uh, yeah, oh, hang hang tight, and uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a bumpy ride. Here we go. But yeah, so Deadpool. Everyone's got high hopes for this movie. I think it's going to flop. I don't want it to flop. I'm rooting really hard. Like I said, Ryan Reynolds, great. Love that guy. This is a a great role for him. It's a perfect role for him. However, I don't think it's going to flop, and I think it's your fault. Yes, every single Deadpool fan out there is going to be the reason this movie ends up kind of coming and going. Yeah, Imper- you know, you, you, Im- back then, you were very antagonistic towards Im- your audience. Well, I didn't have you to 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 hold me in check. I was I was a free reigning, uh, free flying. Uh, and this was my second episode. I'm trying to I'm trying to poke the bear a little bit there. <laughs> oh my god! You came but- out of the gate swinging. You came out of the gate swinging it. Hey, everybody who bothered to listen, f you. <laughs> You're tanking movies and stop it. That was, that was your take on the whole. <laughs> Unque- like first time, shame on you. Second yeah. time, shame on me. See, so this is this is not, and it's got to be genuine too. See, there was there was I, I forget which movie that came out, and I go and I was trying to purposely make it do really well. So I said it's going to do terrible, but it, do- it it doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work when you do that. It only works when you well, genuinely. At least this time, at least this something. time, we're not blaming anybody for. You know, I mean, we we blame ourselves. Right. We we ourselves are the right. culprits, but we're right. not. We didn't. We didn't try to. Uh, right. 
you know, we didn't we didn't blame anyone for it. So correct. Yes, there's that, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah. All right. So so basically, if we predict it's going to do bad, it's going to be uh, it's it's going to and be venom. Genuinely, we right? have to genuinely feel it's going. To, it can't just be. It can't just be a haphazard. It's got to be a genuine, um, you know, feeling. Or if we genuinely feel it's going to do great, that's a bad omen. It's <laughs> yeah. a bad omen. Yeah, here's we, the thing. We are the kids I just of said a, I just said a billion dollars. <laughs> I'll be I'll be honest with you. I said a billion dollars because it, you it's it, it's completely impossible to predict what's going to be a runaway hit and what's not. You know, it's not it's not especially comic book movies. Comic book yeah. movies are not commiserate with the quality of the film anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are some there's some extremely good comic book movies that have come out even even during the golden age of comic mm-hmm. books and they've they've you know they've not done a billion dollars most of them are successful almost every comic book movie is successful mm-hmm. by standard <clears throat> industry terms yeah but you know you got you got marvel cranking out uh, infinity war and uh, you know and endgame and movies like that and and you know, then DC creeping up. I mean, DC made Aquaman a billion dollar, uh, a billion dollar franchise. Aquaman. Yeah. yeah, I know. You know? No, I know. Aquaman, which part of, which was kind of the joke from Entourage, you know, yeah. that it was going to be. So. Yeah. yeah. You, you, there's no way to predict it. So I'm looking at it. It's like, it's a, it's a, it's a social. My, my question is how can we capitalize on our uh, prognosticating? success like i'm just wondering that if someone was to come up to us like a studio executive and be like hey i want you to really trash this movie and say it's going to be awful uh, everything's riding on this so i need you to be see i, don't, I need the I opposite don't, to occur but i, I don't feel think that that's that would, gonna work right i, I, would, think, I think it goes against the karmic spirit of why of when we actually genuinely feel something we have to set ourselves up as swamis so okay, we can't so even like really capitalize on it because as soon as we, we as soon can, as we, we can, okay. We, we, what we have to do is we have to make it kind of a gamble for anyone to, mm. to ask us our oh, advice. Okay. I got you. So then, I got and you. We, I got and you. We, we make them pay for the chance. Mm. We don't make them pay for the advice. We make it. it, okay. it we'll, we'll, we'll get them on a gambling angle. See, I didn't have know? this. I didn't have this when it was just me. That's what I, <laughs> That's it. I would have just cursed out the guy <laughs> coming to me and life would have been life would have you just, just kept going. Blame the, blame the, the audience. And then, yeah, let's just, just kept going. Let's just keep right. this. Let's just keep this going. We will get into Birds of Prey in our next segment. We will review it. We'll talk about the controversy. Uh, I will give you my actual take as to what happened with this movie uh, after mm-hmm. watching it. And <laughs> we'll do that. We also, uh, we've got uh, the Irishman's Matt Walton coming in uh, our third segment as well, too. And we Seems will like it'll be awesome. do, a, do a very abbreviated uh, spin the racks uh, very, very toward the end. But first, we start with the Oscars. Going gold for Joker. Um, the 92, 92nd Academy Awards ended with a surprise as Parasite took home the best picture prize. Um, but however, leading up to it, uh, it was a foregone conclusion that Joaquin Phoenix was going to take home the best actor trophy as he had swept the rest of the awards. Uh, other winners included Renee Zellweger, Brad Pitt, and Laura Dern, who also basically just kind of swept it. It was one of the lowest rated Oscars, probably for that reason, in that there was no real build up to this although the ending with parasite i guess shocked hollywood and it made history uh it was uh something that had never been done before a foreign film winning uh, i want to give a shout out to our uh faithful uh, listener alicia davis who did predict in the comment feed last week that it would win the best picture and so she I, can't be she can't be part of our plans for no this, and, uh, and in true spirit and i don't have it here but uh but can't yeah, have anybody who properly predicts anything. No, I, I literally, I think I shot that down on the, on the <laughs> Facebook feed. I didn't, I was like, nah, that's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you, no, 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 no. you, you got to bottle this stuff somehow. I don't know. <laughs> that's don't what know I'm talking else. about. That's what we got. You, you, it's, it's, it's exclusivity. Ooh, yeah. I could talk. Exclusivity. That's where the money is. We, we, ex- makes our make our opinions exclusive and mm-hmm. incentivize people to take a chance yeah. on getting a favorable which from us would be a negative Correct. opinion that it's it's gold we're going to make we're going to make a fortune it's going to be it's going to be unbelievable yeah. unprecedented billions billions i say 
or <laughs> or we we just we just effed ourselves just now by predicting it was going to be a great thing. Before I get to the uh, quote that I uh, read from the Hollywood Reporter, which I liked about the ceremony and the Oscars in general, in general, excuse me. Uh, I wanted to just get your take real quick on Joker winning because this is something we, we, we all just, I mean, we, we, at least we got that right last week in knowing that Joaquin Phoenix was going to uh, win. Uh, does this do anything for comic book movies? Is this a door opener? Uh, like Parasite is, is, a, is a door opener for the foreign film uh, bombshell to now uh, kind of enter into the equation for the Oscars. It, it really does uh, impact the global uh, scale of of what's um, you know what it could mean for the rest of the academy having you know <clears throat> having foreign pictures now actually you know vie for the top spot does Joker does that have any impact you know are we seeing more Logans I mean will we ever see an X Men movie will we ever see a Marvel movie will we ever see a DC movie vie for the top spots which they normally don't you know get you know get accepted into the club. Didn't Black? What did Black Panther win? Uh, Black Panther didn't win. Uh, it got nominated. It was for Best nominated Picture. for Best yeah. Picture. Best Picture, but see, Best Picture, the nominations. That's that's it's happened. Black Panther did do that. Um, Joker, you know, kind of followed suit. So I mean, in that in that regard, there is there is that kind of progress. Um, but does does Joker do anything else or no? You, you're saying does it does it, it kind of change the game? Yeah. As you're pertaining to. Mm-hmm. I I don't, I don't. You know, one I've noticed over the years of being alive, that game is really stubborn. That game doesn't change. Yeah. You know, it it broadens out. So the in, the introduction the introduction of uh, Parasite might open the field a little more, so you could put some more players on the field. You yeah. know. But the game itself is still going to be the game. I don't think it's going to. Because the next trend, and, and granted, we don't know where the end of the comic book bubble is, is you know. Right. Um, and if it does, if they start, if directors start adapting works like Joker, mm-hmm. you know, they start making things like that where they imbue it with, uh, you know, with uh, yeah. other various like hard hitting like social issues and stuff like that. We'll probably be seeing comic book movies for a long time, mm-hmm. even though they're they're going to be more and more masked as you know uh, as kind of a standard, I guess you yeah. would call it, or mainstream, or not even mainstream, but old stream, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, yeah, with, uh, movie sensibilities. But I don't really think. I mean, it's. I, I think the Academy is going to be the Academy. It's yeah. going to be stubborn. It's going to make decisions that nobody understands. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of consternation about how, you know, about the, the par- about Parasite winning and over Joker, which made a billion dollars and nobody even had heard of Parasite. And so they were, you know, they're saying, oh, it's a woke situation. It's, you know, it's, it's about you know, it's PC culture and stuff like that. And they're forgetting the Academy picks movies every year that no yeah. one's ever heard of to be best yeah. picture. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, <laughs> the, 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 the box office has never been a prerequisite for whether or not a movie is going to win an Academy Award, especially for Best Picture. Right. So I think the Academy is just going to be vexing and stubborn and 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 uh, infuriating and confusing as ever. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, but I do think, to your point, um, that the game has incrementally changed where – where basically maybe well, it, no no film is going it, to be excluded from it. it. Kind of. Well, see, that's the thing. It kind of reminds me of a Seth uh, Seth Rogen quote where he talked about why he's why he's one of the best in Hollywood. He says because I just I stuck around, and he talks about how he he ended up taking karate as a kid, and he was one of the only like Jewish kids, and he was really not very good at it, but he just he stuck with it, and after a while he became the most experienced. So then people kept dropping in and out and the entry level, you know, so, so eventually he was like one of the best in the class. And I feel like comic book movies have kind of done that now. If they're going to continue to stick around because they're going to, right now they are the only thing making money for studios, unless you're birds of prey. And it, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's what's going to stick around. It's what's going to be here. So Hollywood is going to have no choice but to recognize them because filmmakers like Todd Phillips is going to, are going to say, well, I can't make Taxi Driver because no one wants to buy it, but I can make Joker. 
and I can make it like Taxi Driver. So yeah. I'm going to do that. And yeah. I, think, I think that's where we're, where we're headed with uh, Hollywood. Okay. But is te- that a game change or is that just a... No, I think Joker's an outlier. I really do. I think, I think uh, in terms of what you said, it being incremental, uh, 15 years from now, it might be... Uh, it might change the game to. You extent. might look back and go, "Boy, Joker really now, opened the door." Nobody's going to be watching the Academy Awards as a way, yeah. you know, as, as the trend keeps going. So Kevin Hart will they, eventually host it, and we'll, we'll may, all watch it. We'll they may be it. nominating uh, television shows for Best Picture know, right? by in fifteen years from now. Well, at that point, we might be living in the movies, like movies <laughs> literally. You know, that's where it's that's where it's headed. Predictions sure to go wrong. All right, yes. when we come back, Birds of pay Prey fail. Birds of Prey failed to take flight at the box office. We'll tell you why. It's not because it wasn't sexy enough, and it wasn't because the male audience is not ready for it. We'll give you the uh, reason why Birds of Prey did not take flight when we come back. I'm everything my 19-year-old self fought hard to not be. Yes, you are the... It's like 19-year-old you are, self is like, You've become what you hate. You've become the enemy. 19-year-old self, don't sell out. <laughs> Yeah, 39-year-old self is like... Sell out sell every night. Out. <laughs> like, sell it out, baby. First sell sign of out. trouble. First sign of trouble, sell out. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. Secrets of the Sire is brought to you by all of our beloved patrons, dedicated fans, Tom Osa, Craig Caruso, Einar Peterson, Matt Byer, Omar Morales, Brian Phillips, our program director, Stefan Dolce, as always, our Uber fan, Christina Dolce. You can find us on patreon.com slash Sire Studios. Just remember, we did the switch over to Sire Studios. So if you're looking for it at slash Secrets of the Sire, uh, it's not there anymore. Uh, also, check us Stop out at Instagram, <laughs> Sire Studios, uh, Twitter, Sire underscore Studios, SecretsTheSire.com, Facebook.com, slash both Sire Studios and Secrets of the Sire uh, on Facebook as well. Go like us, comment, uh, share, hate us, you know, as long as you give us uh, views because we are corporate chills and we are looking to capitalize however we possibly can. Uh, just a reminder, this podcast, sell out this, every podcast, night. <laughs> this podcast will be up on uh, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, SoundCloud. We're basically on every possible platform you possibly can can be on uh except you know no no everyone that's except, it. Is, it i was trying to come up with something clever I, that we're I, not on. I, I steered that shit i, I basically kind of like I, I i pulled the car over uh yeah. I, I was trying to drive toward a quippy comment and uh and i got none so and that didn't work out it did don't ever do out. that again what <laughs> also did again. <laughs> what also did not work out uh was uh birds of prey it oh, uh oh, failed boy. to gain was altitude that, a was that, that was a good one what's wrong with that come uh, on uh, failed to gain altitude in its box office debut over the weekend earning a tepid 33.3 million oh birds of prey failed mark. to gain altitude get it get it because they're birds uh-huh. well i said fail to take flight see hmm Doing good. Oh, come on. It marked one of the lowest domestic launches in modern times for a studio superhero pick. The female led film also struggled overseas, where it bowed to 48 million uh, for a global start of 81.3 million. Now, ironically, Tough. it is going to make money because I think the budget was something like 70, 80 million. It wasn't uh, that big. Uh, the pick, and this is also from Hollywood Reporter, the pick was never meant to score a mega opening since it is a spin off and sports an R rating. Still, the Warner Brothers and DC title. Had been tracking to start off with at least fifty million to fifty-five yeah, million. Yeah, supposed to do better than it and than it sixty did. million or more overseas. So again, in the words of Ari Gold, if you if you hit expectations or exceed them, throw a party. If you don't, jump off a bridge. I uh, <laughs> I ad lib that because, but it, that is the gist of the Ari Gold quote. I, I one day I'll get the actual quote and say it correctly. Oy. Real quick, if you haven't seen the movie, which I know you haven't because no one saw it, so uh, just be prepared. We did see it, and we we're going to do some spoilers. That's for our audience out there. Couple very thoughts, nice of you. couple thoughts uh, when talking about the movie itself. When you were a kid, and we got to see a lot of action movies as a kid, at what point when you were a kid did you realize that the action that you saw on screen – is not what would happen in real life if you actually tried to do that. Uh, for example, I remember maybe being 10 years old and playing karate with my friends, 
and I would do a jump kick, but they wouldn't fall down. And I'd be like, I don't understand. In the movies, they just fall down. I don't understand. When I, when I, when I throw them up in the air, they're supposed to flip over. What's going on? At what point did I not realize? Well, you're, you're a lousy jump kicker. That's <laughs> well, I, I mean, look, that's we're, obvious. Look, we're still that's... playing pretend fighting. Maybe it's not 10. Maybe it was eight years old. Maybe it was nine. I don't remember. I, I actually, I'm going to go eight years old because my third grade sleepover party was us fighting invisible ninjas all night and then we eventually <laughs> fell asleep so um there, there's a point where you realize that this stuff isn't quite real and that's okay but watching birds of prey i'm kind of sitting there saying this is the most unrealistic action movie i've ever seen and it's not just because it's it's women it's because the heroes literally our, uh, Rosie Perez is like 55 years old and she's kicking the crap out of like bouncers at bars. And I'm like, all right, so this, uh, it, it took me for a second. I go, okay, this is going to appeal to an eight-year-old. Perfect. I get it. That's the kind of movie it wants to be. It wants to be an eight-year-old movie. However, it's an R-rated movie and it's a hard R-rated movie. Limbs being torn off and eaten. Uh, people being exploded by bombs. F-bomb here, F-bomb there, F-bomb here. And I'm sitting there going, Oh, okay, so it's trying to be Deadpool, so it's appealing to the 17 or older crowd. Except what we're seeing is a movie that doesn't know what it wants to be. And I think that therein is my take as to why the box office failed so miserably. People also are, are indicating the marketing. No one knows what Birds of Prey is, and comic book fans who do know what Birds of Prey is is like, well, that's not Birds of Prey because Harley Quinn's not Birds of Prey. I, I think that could lend to it, but I, I don't really think that's uh, the number one reason. I think ultimately this movie just had no idea what it was trying to be. And when that happens and you get people going to see the movie, they go, this kind of sucks. They're going to walk out and go, this kind of sucks. And so people who have heard of it and don't know what Birds of Prey are, they're not going to look much further. And people who do know what Birds of Prey are and hear it sucks, they're going to like, I'll wait for it to come on cable or I'll wait for it to come on Netflix. That's my take. What do you think? Oh, that's a good take. Um, I don't know. All right. Show's over. I saw this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Move on to the next segment. (laughs) What's your, what's your review of the movie? What's your take on the movie itself? Uh, Well, it's, it's a genre movie. Mm hmm. Um, it's a comic book movie. It's, um, I, I see what you were saying when we were talking, uh, uh, last week, we were, we were talking amongst ourselves last yeah. week and you were like, it, it had a John Wick vibe. Mm-hmm. It's very, very John Wick, uh, uh, influenced. Yes. If, I don't know. I don't know DC. I don't know the bird to pray. I never read the bird to pray. Right. Well, so this wasn't this wasn't Birds of Prey, so don't worry. Well, they were the, need the, Some of them were the Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. It's just that Harley Quinn wasn't the bird. Wasn't one of the Birds of Prey, and then of right. course it, it it clarifies that in the title. Right. Harley Quinn and the the Yeah, I know. Bird, you know. I know. Um. However, I it didn't. The movie didn't bother me. Um. So much. I think the problem. And I don't. I, I. I will not predict why it didn't do as well as it is as as they were projecting it would do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a social issue with it, other than the fact that people make such a social big deal out of it. Yeah, like it's supposed to be a you know. And I like I said with the, that that goes back to our constant arguments about whether or not it's the product or the way the product is sold. Yeah. Right. So. If you're selling this as this, you know, this this great emancipated female extravaganza, mm-hmm. you're going to turn off um, a, a segment of the of the audience that doesn't want to be breached to. Correct. People want to people want to buy that. I want to be sold to. I've always said that yeah, from day one. Yeah, yeah, because they want to be the ones in control. Yeah. Right. Well, and then look, they get talk about like you know, like people are dumb in general because they don't black. know. A person is smart. People are dumb. Tommy Lee Jones. He says that. Very famous line. Oh, I didn't hear. I didn't hear that. All right. Continue. People are people dumb. Are, people are dumb. <laughs> you know, when you were talking, I let you fucking talk. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Big Bing, right there. 
big thing. I wanted to, you know, I wanted. I wanted that was that, yeah. That was exclamation point. Emphasis. Yeah, exactly. We have to use exclamation points, right? Because we yeah. don't want people to be confused. Yeah. Um, people are stupid. They don't know what entertains them. They don't know what their principles are. They just, they just know when they like something and when they don't like something. For some reason in our society, everybody has to have a principled reason for everything. It's a principled reason to enjoy things. It's a mm-hmm. principled reason to not enjoy something. It can't be just, I'm not into that. Yeah. I'm not going to go see that. You know, it has to be like, well, you, you know, you have to go through this because this is a, you know, this is a very big social commentary. And, you know, that, if you're against you need to support it, then, the cause or, or yeah, exactly. this is a big social commentary, you need to be against this. Right. Yes. And, and, and it's and nobody knows why exactly. You know, nobody mm-hmm. like if you were going to look at it, it's like, well, I didn't want to be preached to. I go to the movie. And it's like, well, the movie's not really preaching the right. movie in it itself. There's, you know, there's a lot of chaos. In it. Again, the way nobody I kind of looked at it the way I looked at it was congratulations. Women get a shitty action movie. Just like we used to get great. <laughs> like that's great. Like they get to enjoy. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even look at it as a woman action movie. You know, it's just a, it's just another, it's a comic book movie. Right. There's a, they're cartoon characters right. doing cartoon character things yeah. in a cartoon movie with yeah. live action people in it. Yeah. I mean, the, the villain who's a man, you know, right. Where Which for some know, reason purposely they don't... puts a mask on his face, yeah, so that yeah. he could go around. Through, I mean, every yeah. n- none of it makes sense. It's not supposed to make any sense, you know. Right. I mean, they they, they had the, the last battles at a funhouse. So, right. my dad even said in the funhouse, he's like, "All we're missing right now are Biff's, Bam's, Pops, <laughs> Kapow." That's the thing because because of the way it was sold, paint the attitude of the people it's being sold to, mm-hmm. you know? So like, okay, you're going to go because, well, you and I are going to go because it's our job, yeah. right? But you're going to go because you want to be entertained. It's a comic book movie. You're mm-hmm. not going to miss out. You're not going to be denied that, that visceral experience, right? So you're right. going to go. But how they get you to go is going to paint how you digest right. the meal that they're serving to you. Yeah. And so... Um, my attitude's always going to be, well, you sold it wrong, which is why people didn't like it. There's nothing really wrong this with the, the movie. Th- this is if the funny part. John Wick, if you watch a John Wick movie, it's yeah. just as stupid. Like, and I'm not talking yeah. stupid because I love John Wick. But they're just, I mean, like, look, he's doing martial arts with a gun. He's, he's right. you know, I mean, it's, he's shooting people and no one murders that many people. Nobody right. can murder that many people. Nobody can survive. I feel like the difference, though. Wait, but I feel like the difference with John Wick and this, though, and this goes back to my original point, is it knew what it, it knew what it was. Like it knew see, what thing. it wanted it to be. I, does it know? Does it know? Does anybody? Does any piece of art know what it's supposed to be? If if you, I look, think you set like, out what to if be I watch, something. I think you if, set out to do it. Yeah, and, but I mean, and, I think I, I don't. I didn't get the impression from this movie that it that it didn't know what it was setting out to be. I think it was very specific in, in, in the, in the, in the irreverence that it was trying to accomplish. All right. The Um, tone irreverence, I agree with you, but I'll give you a good example. Huntress to me was probably the best. Well, okay. No, the best part was, was Bruce the hyena. Just, there's no question about that was my favorite part of the movie. And, and, uh, and spoilers, thank God he made it out at the end that was great I, I was i was very relieved when that happened that was my oh, favorite boy. that was my it favorite always, moment. always seems like it's going to be a good discussion and then, <laughs> then you start no, I, talking i'm actually being like, serious though I, I, that's that's I what's being, bothering me the most. i wasn't being facetious i really <laughs> was rooting for that hyena Dan. that's what's driving me crazy. Was, look, like, but but this is this is like the underlying problem uh, before i even get to my hunter's point that was the biggest like cause for concern like i'm like oh no is the hyena gonna make it Everyone else, I'm like, A, I don't know if I care, and B, I don't know if there's any, if there's ever, there's no plausible danger for these people to be in. So that's, that's one point. Second point, though, Huntress, I thought was awesome. Like, I really did. I thought uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead was awesome. And she was this, this like, badass, bing, we're just binging all over the place. Uh, you know, ninja-like, you know, Batman-like, stealth-like thing and then they give her that whole like i am the huntress because it's like well oh, oh no wait we forgot we can't have a, a, a totally serious character in here because the whole movie is this so it was a lot of that it was a lot of going back and forth and again i don't disagree with you actually i didn't really have a problem with any of the movie i literally give it a b it is a literally in all definition a b movie that's just what it is and, and you know but 
I could see why audience are just when they come out of there. There's no, there's I, not yeah, going to be word disagree. of mouth. I I don't. I just. I honestly don't think. See, I I don't. I disagree with people who say that the movie didn't make me feel anything. Like when people go to to see a, a romance or something like that, and they're like, "Well, I just didn't get the chemistry between these two people. I didn't feel yeah. anything from it. The movie didn't make me feel." I believe that it's an interactive experience. You either mm-hmm. go there willing to to experience something or you mm-hmm. go there with your guard up for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, you go there demanding to be entertained or you go there willing to be entertained, right? So um, I think we very easily um, uh, overlook our own complicity in whether or not we're enjoying the experience we're receiving, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I don't really think a movie has an identity. I think I think we apply the identity to the movie. That's why you don't think so you many... don't think though you don't think though that when a filmmaker sets out to to accomplish one, two, or three, that identity is part of that, and they do they're they're trying to get they're trying to uh, emote a reaction from you or, or not uh, reaction's not even the right word. Like they're, they're like, they're trying to make you feel something and they're trying of course to, they are, but I mean, whether or not they're successful is up to us, not up to them. I guess. Yeah. Nah, and so I don't know. I don't, um, I don't, I don't quite, I, I know what you're saying. I don't disagree, but I don't agree with what you're saying as well. At the same time, I'm kind of like, um, well, I don't know. What, let me finish what I'm saying. I don't know what my so, opinion I mean, how do you, how, how the heck could you ever know exactly <laughs> what I'm saying? That's, that's my point. Um, but anyway, it doesn't matter. I one thing, one thing that did kind of come of this though too is it was interesting to see the reactions. I, I, I mean, just just scrolling through, you, you do the hashtag Birds of Prey on Twitter, and, and again, this is our lesson. Twitter, We're going to start Twitter's preaching this. We're, yeah, every week we need to remind people: Twitter is not real. Social media is not real. Just everyone remember that it's not real. Don't live in it. I think I'm speaking more to a younger generation who grew up with it versus an older generation that kind of I think hopefully understands this but maybe not anyway you know you have some i saw one angry um you know female uh, twitter user who i hope is not a robot but maybe is because it's not real going on about how dc comics didn't let them in because it was a male it was a boys club for so long and this was a chance and blah blah, blah and it was a real big f you to the people that didn't go out and support this and then i saw gary conway who is one of my favorite spider-man writers of all time just voice look the tone of his tweet was 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 very like, hey, this is my opinion. Don't kill me on it. And of course, the endless comments uh, killed him on it. Um, and I, I actually chimed in also because I, I, I just... You what know, did I, he say? He said that um, it, the male audience was not mature enough to handle an all-female movie. That they're looking to almost, almost to, to agree with the 15-year-old tweet we talked about last week where it's not sexy enough for a specific male audience to go see. And so therefore they didn't go see it. And I think personally, if it was a cool movie, uh, sexy is such a subjective term anyway, that I think it it wouldn't matter if it's a good movie, people are going to go see it. I think that's just the bottom line, right? I don't think people are protesting something um, based on that. And, and, and one female Twitter user says like, look, I'm a female and it just wasn't a good movie. You know, like if it was, if, if it was a better movie, people would go see it. Um, I, How and would I, they know to go see it though if they knew it was a better movie? Well, I mean, they had two days. Like, it. yeah, but you got two days. Two days, dude. That's instantaneous now. Nah, two days. It's not. You're not going to be if you're if you decided you're not going to see this movie until you hear someone say something. You're not going to turn your Saturday into all, all of a sudden I got to go see. No, it. but if you were on the fence, if you were on the fence, and. All you're seeing is like, holy cow, you got to see this, what a great ending, blah, blah, blah. In the preceding weeks, yeah, then the people would come out and see it. But I mean, I'm talking about the first two days, you know, where where movies are made made or broken. That's not word of mouth. That's not going to, nobody's using a word of mouth system. If you're only calculating the success of something based on the two days it it has when it opens. Nobody's talking about a grassroots um, kind of swell, groundswell, yeah. so that you could get your movie over the, the billion-dollar finish line or whatever the heck uh, the, the dollar amount is that signifies a success these days. Yeah. The bottom line is that not every movie can be a billion-dollar movie, no matter what. Not every movie is a, is a barnstorming, genre-breaking um, yeah. extravaganza. There's nothing really wrong with Birds of Prey 
except for the fact that it in this particular iteration, it didn't make as much money as they projected it was going to make. The, yeah. the thing about that is that you can't project that it's going to be a worldwide phenomenon if there's not worldwide uh, appeal to it. Yeah. This, is the, this, this movie appealed to a particular subsection of fandom, you know, it, it it's not a broad spectrum. It's not a it's not an Avengers movie. It's not a Superman movie theoretically, yeah. where it's just a you know it it's a general audience's kind of situation where everybody yeah. could go in and watch Superman save a boat from sinking and go yeah, and then you know we all eat popcorn and go home. This is it's, one of those movies though too happen. though. This is one of those movies too though where I I I felt a real disconnect with the people reviewing it versus what my actual experience was. Uh, and what I mean by that is, jo- like when people went to see Joker, uh, what what a lot of people were saying is, I really need time to digest this. Uh, it really makes you think. There is a, you know, a, the, the topic of an unreliable narrator kept coming up, right? And, I, and so kind of going in, I was like, I walked away going, I know exactly what those people are talking about, right? I, I, like it was, it was very impactful watching Joaquin Phoenix uh, slowly devolve into the Joker. It was very compelling you know, whether or not it was a good movie or not, I'm just, you know, the, 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 what the critics kind of said, and then kind of with the ending to Joker where, well, how did that really end? Did, it, did, did any of that stuff happen? Did it not? Because how reliable is he a narrative? Totally get it. This was like, this is bonkers action. You're going to love it. Ewan McGregor was great. And he was, which by the way, doesn't he look like Jason Bateman in this movie? A little bit, yeah. Think about that. They could be like brothers, right? Easily, because he's got no accent. I'm, I'd rather not think too deeply about that, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> um, sure. You know, they're, they're really, I mean, the real thing was they're really praising the action. And I just thought the action was, was like you said, kind of cartoonish. I, I didn't walk out being like, wow, they changed the action game. Uh, you but know. see, that's the thing. It's everybody, not everything's going to be a game changer. I know. It was a well-made movie that shots were, you know, it was shot competently. Yeah. There was acting in it. I believe. <laughs> I love what I, believe, you say, I love. I love when you use the word competently, though. I, I, I feel I mean, like you're I not believe, insulting, but it comes off as insulting. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't understand. I think the thing is, we all apply our own meaning to everything. Yeah. Right. If it didn't do well, it's like okay, everybody's gonna have a take on why this didn't do well. If it did really well, because like my attitude about the Joker, the 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 message of the Joker. Nobody got that message. Yeah. You know? Mm. And the message is backwards anyway, but nobody got the message. It's like, stop punching down. That's the message of the mm-hmm. Joker. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to punch down. Someone's, one of the people on the ground is going to punch back up. And you're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. You know? Nobody's going to be ready for it. You have a culture that punches down, you know, then the people who, who get punched are going to punch back in yeah. probably the most visceral way mm-hmm. imaginable. That didn't really change any games. It didn't stop anybody from the cancel culture still exists. Punching down still exists. It's still a big deal. You know, it doesn't matter. So like, yeah, it's a great message. You know, ah, yeah, no, no, but I, but I actually disagree with you and not in t- terms of the game changer in a wider scope of, of society. No, yes. Joker didn't change anyone's mind in society, but I think what it did do uh, was change how a superhero film uh, can be, or a supervillain film in this, in this case can be viewed from a more realistic scope. So only, I think, I think only in that, temporarily in that, because one of the greatest dramas in the last 20 years, mm-hmm. the road to perdition was a comic book movie. Sure. You know? So, I mean, comic book movies have been here for a long time. It's just like a lot of people, you know, it's just that now we can admit that this was a comic book movie. They kept it very yeah. quiet that the road to perdition right. was inspired by a comic book movie, but comic book movies, you know, I call comic books in general, is it progress that's not an accomplishment that's just stuff we can admit now that's not (laughs) you know that's not a progress that's not a progression i love it the parameters are a little less lap you know a little a little less stringent that's all all. you're griping that you didn't get your point across i think you made several hot take uh nothing nothing as great as the nothing as great as blaming the deadpool audience for why deadpool was not going to win but no because that's you that's 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 uniquely your Keep 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 working. Monstrosity. No, you'll, you'll no, I'm, you'll I'm not trying to get to that level. Day. Trust me. One day, that All level right. of moronicism is not my uh, in in my bailiwick. 
Trust when me. we come back, we got a treat. Uh, we we had that Kevin Sharp on last week. We've got the Matt Walton. Uh, he was uh, he had a role, a small role in The Irishman. He's on the CBS All Access series. Tell me a story. Uh, he's also the lead in a new film called The Misogynist. So we are going to learn all about all the stuff that he did. Uh, he had a great scene with uh, Pacino and working with Martin Scorsese. So he is coming up next. Pornhub traffic plummets during uh. Game of Thrones season premiere. <laughs> Porn provider Pornhub reports their site traffic was down 4.5% on Sunday when HBO aired the popular fantasy uh, series uh, season 7 premiere. A, it's a considerable change in visitors as Sunday night is one of our most popular times. Here's a ridiculous question that probably no one asked. Yeah. Who did they report that to? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, like, like, who said, hey, how'd your traffic go while Game of Thrones is on? Yeah. And you then, know, like, how did that become a thing? Somebody had a question. Somebody yeah. Had to think Someone question had to wonder, and, hey. And contact Pornhub and be and like, por- or was porn, porn dead? It had to be so bad that Pornhub had to call somebody and say, yeah. hey, where'd everybody go? Do you know what they probably did? <laughs> they probably put it on social media. <laughs> Happy to be joined by Mr. Matt Walton, uh, actor, director, producer, and host. Uh, Mr. Matt Walton, how are you doing? I'm just going to call you Mr. Matt Walton the entire night. I think that's you call me Mr. I think Matt that's Walton. It. I, like, I shouldn't <laughs> do that my stage name. It's very, very formal. I love it. I love it. Um, really happy to have you on here. Uh, you've been, you are a number of things. I checked out your Twitter page as well, too, and there's just so much stuff going on. Uh, where can we begin? Let's begin uh, with your your role in The Irishman. Um, yeah. Considering we just, you know, this past weekend was was the Oscars. Uh, first of all, talk to us about the role in The Irishman. Uh, I know you shared a scene with... Mr. Pacino. Mr. Al Pacino. And, uh, and, yeah. yeah it's, it's a great story. So um, one of the things, one of the many things I've had to do as an actor to diversify my uh, income sources is I'm sort of a news anchor in this crazy world of, you know, uh, online news. And mm-hmm. uh, I often play them in movies. I, I played a morning host for the Coen brothers. That okay. was a good show. And I played the host of meet the press circa 1976, maybe. Okay. Uh, in, I knew it at the time we shot, I had done a lot of research. Um, and it was an added uh, scene, I believe. I mm-hmm. think we had already been shooting for a couple months. My dear friend Stephanie Kurtzuba plays De Niro's wife in it. You know, she'd already been shooting stuff. So I had been called in to, to do some reporter chasing uh, Jimmy Hoff at a funeral and ended up okay. getting this. And uh, I didn't really know it was the Meet the Press uh, set. They recreated, I mean, wow. First of all, they had Netflix money. So they had, you know, they, <laughs> they could make everything exactly like it was. And I walk in. It was the original studio, if I'm not mistaken, where wow. originally the press in the exact same layout. They even had extra sort of on the sides and in the shadows as producers and sort of overseers of mm-hmm. the network back in the day. It was myself and my, you know, my press junket there uh-huh. and Pacino as, uh, as uh, Jimmy Hoffa and I'm my guy. You know, it's not a big part. If you blink, you, probably, you might miss it in the final cut, but um for the shoot day, you know, not many actors get to say, hey, I worked with Pacino. Yeah. I'm back with Pacino. So I was really excited. I met him and the poor guy stumbled out of his trailer and he looked, you know, a little a little worse for the wear. I think it had been a long oh. shoot and, you know, he's not a young man. No, no. Nothing against him. But um, when we were working on the thing, uh, this might be uh, against the law the rules to say, but anyway, he was, I think he had so much to do, he was getting fed some lines. This was an incidental scene. So he fed some lines to an ear prompt. And his 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 assistant was reading the line, and you know the first take is actions. You know, Smarty Scorsese's there walking around like this is incredible. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, I hear my line come through Al's ear piece, and yeah. he responds to the line in the earpiece before I say mine. <gasps> oh my god! So, oh shoot! Oh shoot! Marty, I'm gonna do that again. I'm gonna do that again. This sort of was pregnant, and then I'm like, this is my show. This is my one chance to. I, I had read that uh, Marty likes Marty, Mr. Scorsese. Look at you! See, that's it. You got two legends. Yeah, it's what they, they, uh, that he likes improv and he likes research. So I did yeah. both. Uh, 
on my second take, I had launched into some little fact I had discovered about the thing we were discussing and shot Mr. Pacino a word that, you know, if he could have taken the earpiece out of the ear and thrown it on the ground to engage with that moment mm -hmm. I had just thrown at him with this word. He's like, it's something like, you know, sufficient or some word like, sufficient? You want to hear about sufficient? I'll tell you about sufficient. This was what was sufficient. And on and on and on. I was like, and, and, and Scorsese comes out, like, that was great. Yeah, I think we're going to use that one. That, that, was, that was great. That, yeah, keep doing that. Keep doing that. Ah. I had my chance. I had my moment, man. I had my moment. That's it. That's it. They did not use that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I also, you know, I'm, I'm, I make movies, and no one understands uh, the need and nature of an edit better than someone who has to put mm -hmm. uh, a story in picture. So. I highly recommend that anybody out there who's in the industry who wants to act, you should definitely wear the shoes of every other crew member backstage on a set, no matter what, to really know what goes into it because it is completely a collaborative effort. And yeah. it's not about you, man. It's not about you. Talk, talk to us about some of the other uh, films that you've made and, and things that you're most proud of. Golly, the things I'm most proud of, people have not seen the most. I mean, I guess my biggest audience and one of my... <laughs> career what i would call a feather in the cap was i was mitt robbie he's back in the news <laughs> i was basically like college humorous phil hartman for a while I was the yeah. older guy okay like the dad or the you know the, this the, the you know the, the aging superhero or whatever and so i was able to play mitt romney for a few sketches back in 2012 for that election and we did this thing called mitt romney style which was a shot for shot almost a shot for shot remake of gangnam style Okay. <laughs> Eight million hits between, you know, YouTube That's and awesome. the college humor website. So that was a big thing. I still get recognized for that. Mitt Romney style. Uh, <laughs> Google Mitt Romney style. It still holds up. It still holds up. Um, we worked with the Coen Brothers with a dream come true. That was almost a decade ago in Burn After Reading. Mm. Um, and I guess the things I'm most proud of are the things, you know, like I said, that, that are more obscure. I did this thing called Think Tank. Mm-hmm. Chris Moore, who was the producer of all the American Pie movies, and some yep. brilliant writers out in LA, and we shot it in New York. It was an ensemble thing. It was designed for the web. It was like what I would call a popcorn series, you know, little mm -hmm. bites. Um, and we would just tackle a subject. It was hilarious. It was a bunch of like weirdo intelligentsia in Brooklyn trying to solve the world's problems yeah. around, around a table, you know. It just really worked in the style of the office with that, you know, steady, yeah, yeah, yeah. That shaky, you know, so love that. That's floating around somewhere. It was on is A and E's first streaming web series before everyone was streaming web. <laughs> and you know, I made a movie. I produced a movie this year. It's not really my baby. It was a guy I. Uh, I used to make a lot of my 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 income doing commercials and voiceovers. And a lot of the advertising, like, well, most of it has gone now to social media influencers. Um, so now I shoot social media influencers. I go on the other side of the camera, okay. like corporate videos and, and whatnot. What was the point of this story? <laughs> you are very proud of it. Oh, oh, this movie. So this guy, my, my buddy, <laughs> this kid, this kid who's, who's been my editor, and he's just mm -hmm. a great visual storyteller. He's like, you know, he's like, I'm pregnant with this movie. And uh, he's like, I think we can make it for 10 grand. And I said, well, I bet I can get someone to put 10 grand in. I'll put in 10 grand and let's see if we can make it for 20. So we did and we came in under budget and wow. I don't know. It's called Pretenders. It's coming out to be in the festivals next season. That's awesome. Uh, but I just have a movie that came out. It's, it's, it's hitting theaters this week. Um, it's a limited release, but it's really cool. It's called uh, the misogynists and okay. it's Dylan Baker as a Trump supporter uh, on the night of the 2016 election and his crazy work friends who come around and then the whole conversation unfolds about, you know, everything that everybody thought about that night, the, the, the writer, yeah. owner, owner Turkle, he's done a few independent films. He's a kind of an indie darling. Um, okay. He, uh, O-N-U-R-T-U-R-K-E-L, owner Turkle. Um, writer director he wrote the script in like two weeks and wow. then we okay. shot it months after the election and it was at the hamptons film festival a year after election day in 2017 so it's and so now how did it yeah how's it making the theater release now like how did that work 
Well, it goes through the festival grinder, right? And then okay. it gets, uh, somebody picks it up and it gets distributed and then the distributor mm. decides or whoever is involved decides, you know, does this behoove a theatrical release? You know, do we have access to it? I think that it's an election year. Mm-hmm. People can get, get it onto some screens that they might not otherwise. It was just another, you know, yeah. romance movie or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. It makes sense. So uh, I have a feeling that's what it is. And owners, it's it's a hot little movie, man. It's good. It's awesome. It's, it's really fun. It's really now, fun. Let me, let me ask you a question. Uh, I, I know The Irishman also kind of had a limited theater re- theater release, but you may or may not have caught it in theaters because it's Netflix. Right. Uh, this one has a limited theater release, but are you going to go and see it? And, and have you seen – What's the experience? I'm just curious if you've seen your, your own movie in theaters. Like, what's the experience of, of doing that and getting that public reaction, you know, while you're sitting there watching it? It's, it's surreal because, you know, you, 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 I, 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 my shoulders have gone up thinking about it because as you're watching yourself, you're like, <laughs> yeah. you see all the things. Adam Driver was talking about this. He's notorious. He never wants to Yeah, I, I heard about that. Yeah. Dylan Baker never. Dylan Baker told a funny story on set. He's like, you know, one time I was interviewing with Spielberg and he goes, remember when you did that thing in that movie? And, my, he goes, my face was blank, and Spielberg said, you never watched that movie, did you? It was one of like Dylan Baker's great films. I can't remember which one it was, but Spielberg, and it ended the interview, and it ended like, it was weird. I don't know. It's up to the actor. I don't mind. I'm interested to see like what cuts they use and how yeah, yeah. the edit went around, sort of like how what I did on set was useful for the overall thing. You know, I'm very much interested in the end result rather than my part of it, you know? Mm. Uh, I've sort of given up hope that my part of it is going to have any profound influence. I just hope it helps it along, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's fine. For me, it's okay, you know, because I remember it. And, you know, if you do, if you do like hosting and anchoring, you have, there's, there's, a, there's, a, ter- there's a lot of self-awareness, even voiceovers. You're listening yep. to yourself all the time. A lot of actors, the better actors, like the Adam Drivers, who just, it just oozes out of them, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, I mean, I can go down a whole list. I you know, <laughs> one of my current favorites. But, you know, they, they, some people can just ooze the stuff out of there and they never hear themselves. It's always external, external, external. Uh, I'm always sort of, I've got one eye on the, you know, the yeah. monitor, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm always making sure that we're, we're doing, you know, I'm a director. But I, the first thing I ever wanted to be in my life is a director. When I saw Star Wars, I didn't want to be Han Solo. I didn't want to be Harrison Ford. I wanted to be George Lucas. George Lucas, Lucas. okay. How old? Years old, I knew that. Four years old, I saw that. Oh, man, yeah, yeah. So. That's, that's amazing. Uh, that's actually really amazing because I, I wouldn't even, I couldn't even fathom that people actually got paid to do the, to, to make these things and create these things, you know? When, you know, my background is comic books and graphic novels. Oh, me um, too. Well, that's funny, man. I, 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 <laughs> I had to make a career choice my junior year of high school. Oh, okay. I was trying to get out of where I grew up, which was in rural New Jersey. Um. I was just trying to get to New York or something, just trying to get to life. And mm-hmm. uh, I had to make a choice. So this was shortly after the Michael Keaton Batman. Yeah. Uh, I had become a comic book artist. I had a whole title. I did like a whole, the Mandalorian, I had basically written in second grade. I did the <laughs> of Boba Fett, you know, and I've just been writing comics. Sure, so, sure. Right? It's basically, you know, you're, you're making, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, storyboard. You're storyboarding movies. You know, you, you see a story take place in your mind. Yeah. You see how those pictures need to go. So comic books are storyboardists, are directors, yeah. you know. A lot of comic uh, book artists are storyboard artists. I mean, that's that's a good job. Yeah, yeah. You look at like, what you know, you watch The Watchmen. It's like, why? This is perfect. Why, mm-hmm. why, why not put the squid in there? Anyway, we can get to The Watchmen. In <laughs> uh, but yeah, I had to make a choice in like 11th to 12th grade if I was going to be a comic book artist or an actor. And I knew actor was was a risky mm-hmm. profession, but at the time I determined that comic book artist was even riskier. Like, yeah, the next generation they're not going to be into this. I wasn't wrong, but <laughs> my generation made movies about it anyway. Yeah, you know all the Chris's who play the superheroes they they, they didn't grow up with this stuff. Yeah, it wasn't their generation stuff. They had different things, you know. Yeah. Uh, we had it. I mean, I, I had it. My, my son has it. He knows everybody. We go through the encyclopedias of both DC and Marvel. So That's awesome. He's raised on the proper, uh, you know, uh, mythology here. There you go. Well, that's that's the way we like to. That's what we like to hear. We're very excited about that. Yeah. Now, uh, you mentioned Adam Driver. Adam Driver was up for an Oscar. Did you catch the Oscars? Uh, a lot of. It's weird. It's a lot of. 
feel like it was, so this was our Oscars, you know, recap from the weekend, and you know, our focus was Joker, obviously being in the comic book graphic novel world, but you know, I almost got that movie. I almost got that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, what role? All right. So, you know, the news anchor they ended up using. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a buddy of mine. I, I, I've known him for a long time. We've been up for the same parts again and again. He had the white hair. The white hair ultimately didn't make or break anything. But um, mm-hmm. what's funny is this was two summers ago. I was doing a play out in Pennsylvania and I said, I just, I like the Joker. I mean, I won scholarships to college drawing yeah. the Joker. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've been waiting for this Joker for a long time. Uh, and they needed news anchors, and of course, that's how I get in the big pictures. I went to meet with Todd, and uh, I said, "Hey, man, you know, I think I've already been in one of your movies." He goes, "What are you talking about?" I go, uh, "I think I'm in Bittersweet Motel." He goes, "Bittersweet Motel? That's the fish documentary he made, okay. following the band around in the summer of '88." Sure. I was a big fish head back in the day. And I'm like, yeah, I was on that tour with you the entire time. I have not seen myself, but in one of the group shots, I am pretty certain. (laughs) So for the next, I'm not even joking, for the next 20 minutes, we're talking fish. Oh, that's great. And then we do this, and and every time we're about to start our audition, he goes, oh, wait, i got to tell you one more thing about that. Did you know that they did this and this and this? And so we just had this big time. Finally, I said to the audition, I'm like, you ready to start now? You know, you got people that's ready to do this? You know, so I read it. We had some fun. Uh. Last I heard, he was like, I'm trying to get you in there, man. I'm trying to get you in there. But they ended up cutting. There was a bunch of news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, I'm interested in the end result. Yeah. I loved that movie. Okay. I loved that movie. How surprised were you by the film? And how surprised were you by the Oscar love that was given in the form of all the nominations and Joaquin Phoenix winning? I was surprised uh, how just how... Uh, horrifying it ended up being mm-hmm. uh, emotionally for m- many people who saw it and I was but I was happy because that's for me as a comic book guy that's what it really was I mean you know the, the heroism and, the, and the, the fear were not silly yeah and it's very it's very hard to translate onto the big screen. I mean, one of the, one of the successes of the Marvel franchise is they're able to encapsulate silly mm-hmm. so that you could buy into the the heroism and the fear. Yeah. Whereas DC is all fear, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, like rogue heroism and barely heroism. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's different different mindset and instead of philosophical uh, approaches, I think. Um, and so this was the DC universe. I remember this is the Arkham mm-hmm. Asylum Joker, you know, this is the, the Killing Joke Joker, you know, this was mm-hmm. the guy, that, this was joke. This was peak Joker for me. And That's I thought right. Heath Ledger's Joker was amazing. Right. Totally different. Totally different. Yeah, well, yes, but the latter day Joker to this guy. Like, I almost yeah. felt like he was setting up and then, that it was, it was a lost cause if, you, if you're blending it together. But the Nolan Batman disappointed me in several ways. I know I'm in a minority. Uh, no, my co-host uh, will agree with you in yeah. many, many ways. He, he says it's a great movie. It's not a good Batman movie. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Yes, it's a good movie. And if you don't give a shit about Batman, and <laughs> you, you, you give a crap about Batman, and you, you'll enjoy it. Um, no one's a great filmmaker, don't get me wrong, but you don't put a love interest in Batman. Not until he becomes Batman. That's the yeah. whole point. He yeah. goes up without love. That's the whole point. That's the empty mm. shell. You cannot have... He can pine. But you cannot have it. I like it. I like it. All right. In addition, in addition to all this cool stuff you got going on uh, in movies and film and, and, and being a comic book guy, uh, lastly, I know you are writing something about blockchain right now. And, and I want to get into it just briefly because I think yeah. it's fascinating yeah. with Bitcoin and, and everything that's going on right now. But the actual undercurrent of what Bitcoin is is actually a blockchain, and that's like a digital what's what's the what how do you describe that actually well, best, you know, i will describe it incorrectly yeah the best way I've, I've, I've come to understand what the blockchain is mm-hmm. is it is a like it's a, you know it's like a, a dark web group of people that's not dark web that's not the right word for it but it's like you know a secret monastery of of information keeping, mm-hmm. and they are spread all over the world you don't know who they are they all vouch for each other some way or another. Or yeah. I, you know, they're, they're, there's a check and a balance in there. But they, what they all do is they all check the ledger. So if there's a transaction, right. Right. it's got to match on everybody's ledger throughout the blockchain for it to, be, to, to exist and to be locked into place. 
That's my understanding of the blockchain. So the, what crypto is, from what I understand, is I'm inventing the value of a thing. I am right. just manufacturing something that I deem has a value and that we'll see what the market considers that value to be. Uh, so it's huge risk, huge risk. You know, future of transactions, sure, probably in some way. Well, the reason I actually bring it up in relation to what we do, uh, Devils Do Comics uh, actually published a, a guide to Bitcoin and blockchain. And one of, the, one of the things they said was, imagine the day when an artist can produce something and no one can steal it. And so it, it, it will give you the value back to what you have because you could release it. And the only way you get it um, you know, is, is, if, is if the transaction is allowed. And so it's a really, it's a, it's Josh Blaylock. He did a really cool comic on it. And he talked about the day when, you know, artists can start releasing through, you know, using, utilizing blockchain and utilizing the, uh, the digital signature that you only get, you know, one per, per user. So, you know, the, 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 you know, bringing back the days of, you know, music as a commodity, comics as a commodity, movies as a commodity, um, by utilizing this technology, which I thought was actually fascinating, and I still don't understand any of it. <laughs> that would be an amazing uh, uh, upside down 360 degree turn in just a generation and a half, considering uh, I was mm -hmm. in college during the Napster age. S same here, yeah. I was a young man, I guess Napster was a little after my college days. Um, and now for, for artists to be able to own their material. Correct. Without, without piracy, I mean, that would be, that's, yeah. big, that's big in the art world. Yeah, so what we're involved in, I'm doing the sort of content and spokesperson stuff and like mm -hmm. writing commercials and ads to try to make people understand what my company's doing. It's called Evolve. Mm -hmm. like the word Evolve with the letter A in front of it. About to launch on the, in the Swiss market. Cause, awesome. Uh, US, not, not crypto friendly at all. Yeah. <laughs> not uh, yet. Fair enough. But um, what they're doing is they're trying to uh, utilize blockchain for treatments and cures, uh, medical treatments and cures that, uh, best way to describe it is that are independent films. Mm -hmm. the, the, the cancer treatment, that's the silver linings playbook. Basically, Bradley Cooper, in order to win an Oscar today, you kind of have to produce your own independent film, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're Bradley Cooper, you can make a silver linings playbook, you can win an Oscar. If you're, if you're a, a little research lab with a cancer treatment that's just a little bit you're not going to get it to market because Fast and Furious 5 diabetic treatment is going to be mm -hmm. there and Smurfs 4. And you know what I'm saying? So the, yeah, yeah. the it's, I, I'm not disparaging the, 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 the model of uh, the medical business, but what it does is it favors the profitable stuff and sure. leaves behind or leaves sort of at that next phase of needed research the potential cures, the potential treatments. And so this fund is going to be designed to facilitate that next phase uh, for these various treatments and cures for everything from hair loss to cancer all around the world in hopes that it gets them um, to market faster and more safely. And we're not the only game in town, you know, the uh, yeah, yeah. Bale Clinic is on board. They're looking at their own version of this. So we're, our company is just trying to be first. We'll see. We'll launch this week. We'll see what happens. Amazing. Amazing. Well, uh, the Matt Walton on Twitter. Matt Walton, yes. And the Matt Walton. We had that Kevin Sharp on last week, and we got nice. the Matt Walton on today. Uh, Mr. Matt Walton, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this, has been, this has been fantastic. Uh, where else can they find you online? Uh, TheMattWalton.com. All uh, right. I'll update that now that people are actually listen. There you go. All right. Pleasure. When we come back. When we come back, we'll go spinning the racks. Want to thank our guest, uh, Matt Walton. Uh, you can find him on Twitter as the Matt Walton. Uh, our guest last week was that Kevin Sharp. Really great. Uh, we do this every week. We go spinning the racks. Spin the rack. Spin the rack. Tonight, all we're doing. For Spin the Racks is showing this, this amazing graphic. What does it mean? Secrets of the Sire has gone rogue. We will tell you. It's got a big announcement coming soon in the next couple weeks. We will, we will get into it in detail as to what it means for the show, what it means for 
you guys what it means. Oh, come on. You can tell them. We're launching our Swami uh, campaign <laughs> where we are going to... We, we, will accept, to, we will accept yes. bids uh, yes. uh, for, uh, for predictions. For, for, will, for box for office predictions. predictions. Yeah. Oh. Just, just be honest about it. Don't hide. Don't hide it. You know? Don't build cats, it up. Cats out of the no bag. Cats out of the bag. No, all right. <laughs> Secret Sire has gone rogue. We'll find out what that means in the coming weeks. Stay tuned next month. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that uh, even more. Uh, next week, we're going to welcome back on the show because he got jealous. Everyone gets jealous. Todd Black, uh, Kickstarter creator. He's got uh, a follow-up Kickstarter. His first one went really well. And I like having him on the show, but we're gonna we're gonna spin the comic books to comic to movies racks properly with him. We're gonna get Todd's Todd's top five comic picks. You should be reading out there, uh, and we'll learn about his new Kickstarter. Uh, also, more Birds of Prey Fallout. We'll go deeper into that as well, and we'll see what else happens because I'm sure a trailer of some kind will drop or news will break. Something's gonna happen because something's gonna blow does. up. It always does. <laughs> we will see you next week.